Nick, you seem genuinely more juiced up than, than we've seen you at any time uh, since you've been in Chicago. Is that a fair assessment? Hey, you know, the more you play, the more you're with these guys, the more you grind out these wins and we get to know each other. I'm excited, but I think I'm just excited because I, I felt like we got a little bit better um, tonight. We're, we're, I feel like we're figuring out who we want to be, um, and that excites me. I think the conversations after the game in the locker room juiced me up and got me excited uh, because we're not just sitting there happy with winning. And that excites me about this um, with these guys. Um, I'm exhausted. I can't wait to take a nap on the plane. Um, but I, I am hitting a little bit of adrenaline right now. But once I hit that bus in that plane, I'll be out. But uh, I think it's the conversations in the locker room with my teammates. Um, we were able to get a, you know, a Meek Mill song on in the locker room. I, I reminded me of, you know, Philly a little bit, you know. So I, I, that, I'm not going to lie, that got my juices going. So shout out to Meek. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, what, uh, was it Dreams and Nightmares? Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? Uh, uh, I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this, in a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit, in the back of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist, see my dreams unfold, nightmares come true, it was time to marry the game, and I said, yeah, I do, if you want it, you gotta see it with a clear eye view. I first say, would you rather uh, lose pretty or win ugly? I think that we'd rather win ugly. Um, you know, I think that's the common thing. So uh, I think it tells you a lot about our team. Is this who we are offensively? We want to improve. We want to get better. We want to have rhythm. But ultimately in the NFL, it's about winning games. Um, it doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you get it done. If you put up 50 points and you lose a game, those 50 points don't mean anything. Um, so right now we're winning games. We're playing together as a team. We can improve. I think that's exciting. If we were winning these games and playing perfect and they were this tight and we're playing perfect, what do you do? Where do you improve? I mean, then you're, we're sitting here and it's like, man, I, I guess when we just, you know, play those teams, it's just not going to happen. Well, right now we have a lot of areas to improve offensively once again, but we are figuring out ways to, you know, score and get points and move the ball and do those things. We can fix what we're doing. It doesn't happen overnight. Offenses don't get fixed overnight. Sometimes they don't get fixed throughout the course of years. You've seen in the NFL, there's been teams that have been bad offensively for a very long time. We're not one of those teams. We're a team that's young offensively. We're growing. We're getting to know each other. We're figuring out who we are, and we're doing it at the right time. And as a team, we're winning these games. And I think that's what's important. Now, we're not going to get complacent and say, hey, man, we're 5-1. and one. This is it. No, like we're sitting there in the locker room after the game talking through it. Hey, we got to be better here. This is what we got to do here. Communication here, route running here. Hey, we got to be able to run the ball here. We know that. I know you're all going to ask those questions. We know that. And that's what's exciting because we don't have to have y'all say, hey, you doing this. Hey, we know. But we also know that we're going to improve because we believe in one another. And that's what great teams do. Great teams find a way to win a game. Bad teams win with prettiness. Great teams win no matter how it takes. So I'm proud of our guys. I, I, I think we're continuing to improve. Are we where we want to be? No, we're not where we want to be, but I'm excited about our offense. I'm ex excited about the guys that are there. I like the communication that's happening on the side. I love the passion of the players. Most important, they care, and we're bonding. We're getting to know each other. That's football. Like, you don't just go out there and play football. You got to care about the man next to you to make those plays. So I like where we're at. I know we're going to improve. I believe in our staff. I believe in our players. And I'm really grateful to be a part of this organization.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Bears on Tap, a podcast about the Chicago Bears. You can follow us on Twitter at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. Alongside me is Brandon Suarez at Beat on 300 and at that pod guy Duke Duke Coughlin. Um, for those of you that are regular listeners, obviously we uh, adjusted the intro a little bit. It was Nick Foles inspired. Um, I mean, man, I feel a little bit of that Nick Foles magic. You know what I mean? Because everything that was said was almost a little bit cliche, but he said it in a way that you kind of understand why these magical things have happened throughout his career, throughout the ups and downs. You know what I mean? Because obviously overall top end talent wise, Nick Foles is regular, but there's, there is the Nick Foles effect. And that was, uh, I got juiced up when I heard it. So I had to do a Meek Mill inspired, uh, intro. You know what I'm saying? Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, dude, that, that press conference was just great. Wasn't it just him going just kind of on a tangent. You could just kind of feel the adrenaline irradiating, irradiating off that guy. And, Man, Nick Foles is an underdog, and that's just kind of what this team has been all year. You know what I mean? It's been it, they've had that underdog mentality. Nobody's bought into this team. Nobody has bought into the fact that we would be five and one at this point. Everyone has looked at the fact that even when we were undefeated, we were the worst undefeated team in the league. Like him going nuts in that press conference reminds me, you know, and I know it might sound cringe because of the Philadelphia Eagles, but it reminds me of Jason Kelsey after that, uh, after the, during their Super Bowl parade, where he's just going off about how this guy was looked down upon. This guy was undrafted. Nick Foles was passed around the league and stuff like that. But you know what? They all came together and they won. And it feels like that's what Nick Foles is bringing to the locker room right now. Say what you want about the play on the field. You love hearing all of that from Nick Foles. And man, you just, it gets you really excited about this team moving forward. Yeah, I got my ATV. I got my ski mask. I'm Philly head to toe. I'm ready for the Nick Foles like resurgence to happen. I know it's been kind of, kind of in the middle right now with the production, but we've been winning football games. And when you have a quarterback that has been in as many situations in his career as Nick Foles, it only makes it that much easier to find ways to win football games. Obviously this past weekend, like we talked about previously in the week, this was probably our most convincing win. I feel like they could be well on their way to another convincing win this weekend. Yeah, we're definitely going to be previewing this uh, Rams game, but I mean, there's just something about like, I felt like he had a hundred percent of like a grasp on what the Chicago media is, what kind of questions they were going to ask him. And he found a way to get in front of it and just smash it in a way that was like, not only professional, but just like, you just see why these teams have gotten around him and, and why he has this reputation for being such an awesome dude, because obviously this dude, like. Now you're watching that you're the defense, right? You're watching that you're the offensive line. You are running backs, your wide receivers. Like you're like, man, I want to go out and play for this dude. Like no one believes in us, right? All the critics, every single time, every single week they go into it. They're get, you know, the bears are getting points. Like everyone's doubting the bears, but Nick Foles is not. And there's like, there's like some type of magic behind that, in my opinion. Yeah, dude. And I think you hit it on, you know, you hit the nail on the head kind of, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what I said in the post game, um, you know, earlier in the week on Sunday is, you know, this team wins ugly, man. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's a win. That's I really think that's what Nick Foles is about. You know, he understands that it's not pretty. He understands you know, we're not setting the world on fire on offense. Like Lucas, I remember you kind of looking at the box score and being surprised at like how low the numbers were 
with how like well they looked on the field, you know, kind of as a unit. And, you know, that just goes into exactly what he was saying, man. It does not matter what the stats look like on the box score. Like I might complain about it on a week to week basis, you know, just cause I'm a, you know, I'm, I critique things. That's kind of what I do, but I can't doubt. I can't, I can't deny success, man. And that's exactly what, uh, he's added to this offense, man, regardless of if we're scoring a lot of points or scoring enough. And we, uh, we trust our defense. And when a defense kind of looks at an offense run by a guy like Nick Foles, who understands you can win ugly, you don't need to win. You don't need to have the best passer rating. You don't need to be able to throw seven touchdowns. Uh, the defense is going to play that much harder for you. They're going to, you know, play for the fact that if we give Nick the ball at this situation, he'll go down and he'll win this game for us, you know? Yeah. And I would have to say, I think the biggest thing that I'll take away from what you said is the word trust as far as the receivers go, as far as the tight ends, the running backs, the offensive coaches and the coordinators, they just have more trust in Nick Foles than Mitch Trubisky, not to rag on my guy, Mitch. But like I said, Nick Foles has seen just about damn near everything this league can offer. He's seen the highest of the highs. He's seen the lowest of the lows, and he's seen damn near everything in between. He's been one of the most productive quarterbacks. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks. He's he's just one of those guys who is very hit or miss. But when he hits and when he's playing like you need him to play, your team nine times out of 10 is going to win football games. We've seen it with the Eagles. He wasn't as successful over his long tenure with the Rams, but I do remember a short four game winning streak at the beginning of the one of the seasons that he was there for. So, and then too, like we've talked about it as well on this podcast, the 27 and two season, like he is an absolute wild card, wild card, but right now we got him. It's working. It ain't broke. So let's not fix it. And let's just keep winning football games, boys. Yeah. And like, you know, just to highlight, kind of what Duke was saying, like the box score didn't look good for Nick Foles. And if you look at his stats, realistically, they're very comparable to, um, to Mitchell Trubisky's this season. Actually, you know, there, there's a couple areas that Nick Foles is, he has less touchdowns. Um, he same amount of interceptions, um, less yards per attempt and stuff like that. So I, I know I saw people saw a graphic out there, um, about how Mitchell Trubisky and, and Nick Foles' stats are pretty much identical. If anything, Mitchell's um, looked a little bit better, I think, up until this Carolina game. But it just felt like every time a play needed to be made, not in the fourth quarter either, right? It wasn't back against the wall fourth quarter. It was just, hey, it was a big third down. We needed to get uh, another three points to keep this lead at seven type thing. I just felt like Nick Foles was always making that play. Um, which was huge for us. You know what I mean? That was huge in the Carolina game. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's the quarterback moving forward. But I just, I just thought that was, uh, that interview was definitely the best thing we've seen from a quarterback. In my opinion, it was like the attitude of Jay Cutler with the niceness and professionalism of, of Mitchell Trubisky. It was just like everything all mixed into one, just like him kindly, Nick Foles kindly told the media to go fuck themselves and just wait it out because the bears are five and one. And you kind of love that from your starting quarterback. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. And kind of like how I said with the uh, underdog mentality with Philly, dude, I really think that's what he's trying to bring to the table here. You know, he's trying to show that like, I, I feel like almost last season, maybe list, maybe listen to the outside sources a little bit too much. And I mean, as as all of us know, being Chicago fans, if you listen to the media in Chicago too much, man, the city will chew you up and spit you out. Like they will tear you to pieces if you allow them to. And if you give them anything, they're going to, they're going to run with it. And I think Nick Foles kind of saw something similar, probably in Philly. I think Philly's also a really tough city with uh, similar things like that. So yeah, I'm sh- he is battle tested to tell the media to go fuck himself in the nicest way possible. And you know what? I love it. 
because that doesn't give them a sound bite that they can use against him. And it also subtly tells them that they need to fucking check themselves because guess what? This team is five and one. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, but let's move forward because obviously, even though Nick Foles, uh, kind of won everybody's heart with that interview, I mean, the run game is still struggling. The offense is still struggling. So let's talk about that because Rashad Coward started at left guard. Um, you know, they replaced Alex bars who, for all intents, like we all thought he was going to be starting because he went into the game um, right after James Daniels got hurt. But obviously, whatever they saw from bars, they wanted to uh, work coward in. But I just, man, there were a few plays that we saw, like people with breakdowns out there. And if you watch the film, um, just coward pulling and, and taking care of the wrong guy on a play that could have been a huge um, gain and stuff like that. I just feel like it was very tough as a bears fan to see the bears not be able to run the ball against the Carolina defense. That's had a really difficult time stopping it. Yeah. And to break bears fans hearts for this weekend. I mean, I don't know if anybody in bears nation watches Rams football, but they have one of the nastiest defensive linemen in all of football and Aaron Donald. It's going to be tough to run the football on that defense. As far as this last weekend goes, I have the 24 hour rule. So I'm on to Los Angeles, but again, it's it's glaring when you see the tape and you see the statistics is especially considering how hot and we've talked about it, how hot they started running the football. They were very successful in the first few weeks of the season. They strayed away from it and we just have not seen it from any level. And obviously, too, another thing that we got to hammer home is with Nick Foles back there, you, you lose that element of having a quarterback that is mobile. So realistically, one thing that I want to see them do, I mean, I know. We signed him a few weeks ago to the practice squad, but why not give Lamar Miller some run? I know it may be a hot take, and I know some Bears fans don't want to hear it, but someone who has had the history and the production that he has had in this league, it's worth at least throwing him in to give him a shot. Yeah, you know, I just really kind of want to see a commitment to the run game in general. Uh, I know, I know it's like the unpopular take that, uh, you know, we continue to run the football, even though it doesn't work, but it's just, it's something we just have to try to make work. You know what I mean? It's shown on offense. Like, obviously, you know, you love hearing the Nick Foles quote, you know, about how they need, they know they need to improve and they know that they will improve and all that. But I mean, if we're going to fail, why not try, why not fail trying something new like in the run game? You know what I mean? I wouldn't mind Dave Montgomery getting over 20 yard, you know, 20 carries a game. I wouldn't mind trying Lamar Miller out, whether it's catching balls out of the backfield or something like that. Like something's gotta, something's gotta give, you know what I mean? Like I understand losing James Daniels is a big, is a big key. Uh, it's, key loss, you know, cause I think James Daniels is playing some damn good football, but we, we got to try something here. You know, you know, creativity is supposed to be the name of the game with Matt Nagy. And it's just, it hasn't been it, man. It's just been us kind of uh, snapping the ball to Nick Foles out of shotgun and him tossing it every single time. You know, I don't care if we run out of shotgun, what, you know, what we're running out of. I think uh, we just need to try to run the football like early and often. Is it going to happen against the Los Angeles Rams? That's definitely a lot bigger of a test with a guy like Aaron Donald and a guy like Michael Brockers up front. Is it something we really need to kind of pay attention to looking forward? I really think so. And um, I think uh, I really, I didn't understand the Rashawn Coward move. I think probably because, because of his lack of experience, he really doesn't have like the hand fighting down 
like you can tell that's really like a big thing he struggles with in pass in pass protection. He's a little bit better as a run blocker because he's used to as a defensive lineman being able to just hit somebody every single play. But in pass protection, you don't necessarily want to get hit all that much, and you have to be able to use your arms to your advantage to get you know defenders away from you. And that's just something that he has failed to do over and over and over again. And uh, I just don't understand how a guy like Alex Bars, who has played college football at a high level at that position, is not getting a look, especially a guy that we're apparently, you know, the organization organization's supposed to be really high on. And even if even if they're worried about the experiencing, the why is Jason Spriggs not at least getting a shot? You know what I mean? Like I get the whole he's a tackle. You are not set to a position as an offensive lineman in the NFL unless you're a starter. You know what? You have to be you have to be uh versatile. You have to be. Otherwise you will not keep yourself on a roster. And if Jason Spriggs is supposed to be this guy that we're all excited about, why not see him at left guard for some reps? Why not try out Alex bars again when he can actually have a week of practice set up as a starter? Like, I just think we've seen what we need to see out of Rashawn coward, maybe good in a spot situation where someone's get injured, but I just don't see him as a viable starter going forward. Yeah. And you know, Rashad coward was supposed to be that third tackle going into things, taking over Bradley Sowell's spot, but I haven't really seen much of that. Cause it looks like we just go heavy with the three tight end set. Um, I don't think I've seen that at all actually with the, with the extra tackle and the heavy package. I think it's only been with Komet Harris, um, JP Holtz, like as an H back type thing. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like I don't, we don't like what we see from coward. Obviously Charles Leno is another thing too. Um, you know, the Buffalo bills had just cut, um, what's his name? Uh, it's Spain. Quentin Spain. Yeah. Quentin Spain. They just cut Quentin Spain. Who's actually a pretty decent player. Obviously, you know, you think, well, if the Buffalo bills just cut him, how is he going to be good? You know, the same thing happened with Brent urban last year with the Tennessee Titans. Um, and now he's making contributions this year. So if he's a system fit, um, I think he should be able to, the bears need to go ahead and try to look for somebody. Cause if Rashawn coward was a indication that, um, Alex bars wasn't good enough. Obviously he had a rough welcome to, uh, the NFL moment where he just got bullied first play. Um, what was it against Vita Vea, right? Like, obviously that's going to be a tough matchup, but if they don't like what they see from either of them, then you have to go and look somewhere else because the bears are not in the same position they were in last year. Um, and we're getting close to the trade deadline too. I know Jacksonville is trying to sell the farm. The jets are trying to sell the farm. See if you can find a viable option just because it's just like, Right now you're five and one, you're in position to start winning. The last thing you need to do is put yourself in the same situation you were in last year when, um, you know, when Kyle Long went down, like you have to, you have to find a way to patch this, whether it's Spriggs, whether it's, um, you know, Spain, you you just got to go out and try to find somebody. Yeah. And real quick, I got to throw some shade at Notre Dame because uh, Notre Dame football put out a graphic that said it has Everyone's stats for all the players that are currently in the NFL from Notre Dame and for Alex Bars, it said two ST snaps. So shout out to him for getting out there on punt or kickoff for two snaps. I thought that was kind of like you can leave that off the graphic for ND. That was kind of a low blow. But for the Bears offensive line, week in and week out, year in and year out, it has been the issue. And like Duke said, once you get to the level of the NFL, if you can't play two positions, you're about as good as playing zero. Because in the NFL, especially at the offensive line, players go down on a week. 
weekly basis. I think it was uh, Zach Martin, I, I mean, just as recent as this Sunday, went down for the Dallas Cowboys, and that was a huge moment in that game. The Cowboys weren't able to run the ball successfully for the rest of the game, and the Red Raider or the Red Rocket, whatever Lucas calls him, was just getting blasted. So, so I mean, offense. Yeah. I, no, exactly. Like you have to have depth there. That's the one position that Ryan Pace really hasn't built depth with. Obviously, I'm sure they're going to attack it. Um, you know, and they had a, year with the draft. He tried. You had a couple of seventh rounders if you're trying to get someone like long term. But you don't want to have Nick Foles, a non-mobile quarterback, um, and Arlington Hambright out there like trying to cover his blind side in a, in a pinch. I think realistically, you have to like, and even Charles Leno, man. 2018, he was decent, you know, Pro Bowl alternate, all that good stuff. But he's obviously a lot of people have given him slack. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. But even what his strength was, which was, you know, um, run blocking, it seems like he's not doing as well. And he's just an absolute turnstile. It seems like 2018. Was, I was going to say, I've been seeing some funny gifts and funny videos on Twitter. this Bro, week. it's it's getting rough. And it's just like he, Bobby Massey's actually holding his own. Like, let's be positive here on a couple guys. I think Bobby Massey's actually been playing really well for, you know, an aging vet. Um, Charles Leno has not aged as gracefully. Jermaine Effetti has been an awesome surprise. Um, as the as the right guard, and then Cody Whitehair is obviously a solid player, but we're we're really lacking on two spots, and it's like why not even try Jason Spriggs at left tackle? That's something that I've been hearing getting rumored around, and it's because it's just like you have to address these things. You you can't be one block away all the time from breaking a huge run. You just have to make it happen. Like you just have to make it happen. You saw the Chiefs right away. They said we're taking away Patrick Mahomes. Okay, cool. They just, and it's not like the chiefs have everybody there. Like they have some injuries on the offensive line. They just paid their quarterback $500 million. Like they're, it's not like a loaded first round pick offensive line. Like they just find a way to get it done. And like, at the end of the day, someone has to find a way to get it done. Carolina seemed like the right game to get it done. Um, and obviously, you know, that's not, uh, that's not what happened. Yeah. And I mean, I would love to just see some like creativity, you know, especially with injuries going down, you know, like you said, with Spriggs at left tackle, uh, how would Charles Leno look at left guard? You know what I mean? He would be able to focus a little bit more on the run game. He'd be able to focus instead of going to linebackers on the left side of, of the offensive line, you'd be able to try to uh, pull, you know, how would that look? Why not try these type of things? You know, I just, I'm not totally behind the idea that all these guys need to be playing one position. I mean, you look at a guy like Cody Whitehair and James Daniels who were probably, probably still, I would say by far our best offensive lineman and they've switched positions back and forth, you know, a couple different times. You know what I mean? So like, I would like to see that type of thing happen. You know, Charles Leno is not, not, he has not earned himself the spot of the long time left tackle starter. You know what I mean? Like he has shown that he is obviously a lot of cracks in that armor. So why not try moving him inside? Kind of like circle what we did with like, say a Chris Williams back in the day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. why not try something out? A hundred percent. And I think um, like Leno would be a much easier transition than someone like Spriggs. I think certain people are meant to be tackles. Like you can interchange the, you know, center, obviously you got to be able to snap the ball and stuff like that, but you can interchange your interior a lot easier than you could bring a tackle over. But I do think Charles Leno, like why not try him out at left guard and have um, Spriggs play tackle if, if that's like a better option, because it's just, I just feel like how much worse can it get? you know what I mean? At the left tackle position, like how much worse can it get at that point? It's like, maybe you do want Arlington ham right out there. Like I will say, um, not to make it Irish on tap, but I know you've seen his tape. Lucas Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. That's someone in the draft next year that if the bears and if the projection of where he falls in the draft, I know, 
not everyone in Bears Nation is as high on Cole Komet as us at Bears on Tap and some of the other Bears outlets are. Obviously, the usage hasn't been there. Liam Eikenberg is definitely a quality tackle in next year's draft. But right now, it's something that I'm not going to compare it to uh, glaring things like that we saw in the 2018 season that we knew were going to come back to bite us. But in the playoffs, you need to be able to run the football and you need to be able to do it efficiently. We're not going to be able to just air it out and beat someone in the playoffs. So they have time to work on it. I don't know if it'll get done this week, but one thing I will say that I did notice in watching the Rams game last weekend, outside of a couple guys on that team, they really can be had from a physical standpoint. I think the reason why the Niners won that game is they really just out, I, I hate trying to say this, but they just outmanned them. I was about to say they out physical them. That's just not good grammar. <laughs> Not good grammar from a college. No, I like that. That's yeah. fine. No, I like that. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. They just kind of bitched them, bro. They just like the Rams had every opportunity to watch that game. And like, obviously, you guys all know my dad's a huge Rams fan. So I was watching it. He's blowing my phone up like, what the fuck are we doing? There's a lot to be left on the table. And again, Lucas, our boys are six point dogs. And I'm looking at the line like, if you guys want to keep paying my bills, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, like, San Fran has got a lot of injuries, and they had no problem containing um, Jared Goff in that attack. Like, they had no problem containing the run. Like, they really controlled that game. And, you know, a week prior, and they get slapped by, what, like, the Dolphins or yeah. someone? Yeah, the only thing that, like, and this was, I have Henderson on my fantasy team, and we were all real high on in the draft process. He's a shifty, speedy back, and the Rams were trying to beat them one way or another. They really were not able to move the ball at any point in the game. They somehow kept it extremely close, but I don't know. I just feel like it gives, like, us going into this game really gives me a lot of the same vibes that I had when I was out at Soldier Field and I saw the Rams lose to the Bears in 2018. Like, I feel like it's a lot of the same storylines, except for the fact we don't have Mitch, but. Goff really has not taken the steps that you would expect a $134 million quarterback to take. So like, yeah. thank God we never got that far, but yeah, let's talk about, you said a lot there, a lot of quality stuff and let's break I'm it sorry, down. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Let's break it down a little bit because I, I think first, like, let's, let's talk about Jared Goff because is he a $130 million quarterback? I don't know. I feel like it's every time I want to count Jared Goff out, he'll have like a four touchdown game. And obviously he's in a system. Like you said, that game was close with San Fran. It's only because he, the, Sean McVay is a really good coach, even though like his system hasn't changed that much. And we'll get into the 2018 game for sure. But I just feel like Jared Goff is like good enough. I put him at like that. I don't know, maybe Joe Flacco level or a little bit above that. Like, I guess you could call him a franchise quarterback. He could be somewhere for 10 years, but it's I don't think very tough to tear him because of what you said, because like there's those games where he goes out and he has four touchdown performances. And then there's games like I sat there and spent three hours on Sunday watching. And then obviously too, you know, knowing that we have the Rams next week, I'm available to watch it. I'm definitely going to watch it. I just, aside from one like backyard brawl hail mary rip your meat out throw it to the back of the end zone and josh reynolds caught it to put them back in the game there was no throws that were made 
that were overwhelming. And the one thing that uh, I saw and that they were, you know, the broadcast was just loving was Jason Verrett or Jason Verrett, who was a one point, you know, like the sixth pick in the draft, had a bunch of injuries. He was balling out of his mind. And Goff, actually, he got picked in the red zone, too. He got picked on like a fourth and goal. I don't know. He he I'm not sold on him. I think my my stance on Jared Goff is where Duke is at on Josh Allen. Yeah, dude. Ooh. How you feeling That's about Jared Goff? That's brutal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, big shout out to Josh Allen. Been really killing it the past two weeks. Um, also, actually, big shout out to Jason Verrett because or Jason Verrett, Jason Verrett, however you say his last name. Been a big fan of this guy for a while, dude. Out in out in San Diego when they were still out there, like I had really high hopes for the guy. Like he is speed. He's does a little bit of everything. He's like the ideal nickel corner the guy just cannot for the life of him stay healthy, but really glad to see him balling out. Um, man, you know, the biggest thing I really see with this Rams offense, is they just do not have speed. There's no speed over the top. And that's one thing they really lost to Brandon cooks. And it's, it's been showing early on in this year, like <clears throat> golf will be able to pick you apart down low, but if he doesn't have that speed guy that he get, can kind of toss like an inaccurate long throw to, he really runs into a lot of trouble. And I mean, looking at his career stats against the bears, man, Completed only 50% of his passes, five interceptions, zero touchdowns for a 33.9 rating in two games against us. You know, even last year when they did end up sneaking a victory against us, he looked like garbage. They didn't even want to throw the ball with them. Um, so, yeah, man, until I really see anything out of golf against the Bears, I don't really have a lot to say about him. But, um, yeah, dude, it's just it's crazy to think of how much he's getting paid and just how much he's not carrying this offense. You know, he's in an ideal system. He does have some good players in Robert Woods and uh, Cooper Cup, who is probably probably the best slot guy in the league. If we're totally honest, total absolute monster in the slot for. Yeah, but I just I don't know, man. I just really haven't seen anything out of golf for long periods of time that tell me that he's a franchise guy or that he's a guy that should be taken outrageously serious you know it's it's unfortunate you know he has shown promise but you know really even coming out coming out of college i think what was the california that he came out of he just he really never uh yeah he went to cal yeah i mean he was never really a guy that kind of just uh you know jumped off the paper at you he's a guy that can do enough in a very in a talented offense so i mean i feel like if we can uh if our defense our secondary can keep their playmakers under check i think uh I think the defense is going to be the uh, the big key for us in this game. But as long as we can score points, I think we hold uh, I think we hold LA to points. Well, yeah, that was the problem in both of our games now in the past two years. Um, Bears could not really score. You know, the only touchdown was the Bradley Soul touchdown in 2018. Um, and then last year they were having a really tough time moving the ball in general. Um, that was the game that Mitch Trubisky actually got taken off for Chase Daniel when they were down like 10 points or whatever with a little bit left to go. I wasn't um, going to say it, yeah. Yeah, but realistically, um, I do feel like, you know, the Chicago Bears have had their way with Jared Goff, and I don't see that changing. Um, one Sneaky good player. And this is someone that I wanted the Bears to get because um, I didn't think David Montgomery was going to fall to the Bears. But Daryl Henderson, and he is playing really well. Every time I saw him run the ball last week against the, the Niners, I mean, they, it's almost like if the Niners didn't get out to that lead right away, they would have been fine because 
Henderson looked like he was getting like eight yards a clip. No problem. The dude's really explosive. He's not a bruiser by any means, um, but he could still put his shoulder down. He kind of reminds me of like a Alvin Kamara almost. Um, he's a really, I think he's going to develop into a really nice player. Um, but at the end of the day, like Jared Goff, as we were saying, he's a seam thrower. He could throw the shit out of the seams, bro. Um, and those are the easiest throws to make down the middle of the field, right over the top. He's got a pretty good combo with Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Um, so we'll definitely have to be on lookout for that. You would think that, or at least hope Dion Bush is healthy because you don't want Danny, uh, Trevathan on man coverage with either of those tight ends. They could both actually get downfield pretty well. Um, you know, and then you'll have Buster Screen or Scrine matched up with it's Buster Screen. I don't know why I always say Scrine. It's spelled Scrine, but it's pronounced Screen. Um, but Buster Screen matched up against Cooper Cup. I kind of really like that. Um, Cooper Cup's not the most physical guy, but he can get loose. That's for sure. But with Bo with Bojack back there, I mean, we'll probably get another three turnovers taken off, um, taken off the board. But realistically, I feel like this defense with John Jenkins back, actually, like we were really solid against the run last week. Um, they weren't able to really run the ball at all with their running backs. It was just Teddy Bridgewater that got loose a couple times. Um, so for the most part, I'm like not worried about this Rams offense, especially because Chuck Pagano just needs to look at the 2018 tape. Obviously they played a very similar game. Like for as good as Sean McVay is, he doesn't really change that much. He just maybe will add a wrinkle here or there um, with the receivers and stuff like that. But when it comes to blocking scheme, stuff like that, that outside zone, like as soon as you stop that and then you have to make Jared Goff deal with the pressure, that's when he really, that's why he's had such tough times against the Chicago bears. Yeah, dude. And, and that's the name of the game is you have to make Jared Goff beat you. You know, that's, that's literally it. You know, even, even if we go back to the 2019 tape, like our defense still played pretty damn well against them. Um, yeah, dude, at the end of the day, it's going to be the offense scoring points. You know, it's going to be a Rob and J and, uh, Jalen Ramsey going at it. You know, the former Jaguar teammates who definitely had some beef in last year's matchup. I'm really excited to see how that goes as well. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I'm glad you guys touched all the points on the offense. This is an offense that can hit you in many different ways. But they're that offense 11 times out of 10, and then that will open up for their big shot. But like you said, dude, they don't have really that, that deep threat that they used to have. But across the board, from an offensive standpoint, they are talented. And I will say just to kind of combat, uh, you know, the running comment, Daryl Henderson is a way quicker running back than Mike Davis and honestly most running backs that we've seen this year. So that is one thing that I'm kind of worried about because like you said, when he gets in space, like he can boogie, he can definitely get down the field. He's definitely a lot quicker than most backs in the league. But I think one thing that goes without being said, and one thing that we kind of saw last week with, with uh, Cooper cup is that, and especially with the way that Buster screen plays is that if you can get hands on him early and you can keep him active and you're physical with him, you can definitely get in his head and, and get him out of there early. I think Robert Woods is a little bit more of a gangster, but I, either way, like Fuller on Woods, Johnson on Woods, like we are going to have some of the best one-on-one -on -one matchups across the board that we've seen in any Bears game all season long. Yeah, and I think we just need to give Kyle Fuller a little bit of credit, dude. Like he's always been a willing tackler as a cornerback, but he's found a way to just light fucking people up. Like, I think at this point, he's the best cornerback when it comes to just solo tackles. I, I really would take him over anyone else. Like he had a huge play against the lions last year too. I think it was, 
forgot who the running back was. It was like someone they picked up off the streets. But um, last year, I think it was in the Thanksgiving game, right? He like stopped a, he had like a really big play um, solo tackle. I just feel like he's, he's very good um, at tackling people in space. You never see anyone really break a, break a big run on him or anything like that. You know, he keeps everything in front of him and then he cleans it up. Yeah, dude. And that's, that's kind of like the big thing with him. And I almost, I almost think that's why he gets trusted to play back so far. Like shout out to be down on that, but that's, I think that's why he gets trusted because he's so good open field tackling that if a play gets thrown underneath Kyle's there, you know what I mean? Even with how far Kyle Fuller plays back, if something's thrown like short, like trying to expose that matchup, Kyle's in his face immediately every single time. And that's uh, it's always, it's never been a willingness to tackle. That's never been the issue with him ever. It's always been kind of the shoestring type tackles that he was that he was having early on in his career. But uh, yeah, dude, he's definitely laid the boom this year. Um, I have not seen a hit from Kyle Fuller. That's looked illegal to me. Maybe that's just me having my bears fan, you know, goggles on, but uh, I've been, I've been just loving how the secondary has been just kind of laying the boom in general. Eddie Jackson looks like completely different hitting safety as well this year, dude. It just, I don't know. It's just, everyone's playing. uh, What did we talk about Roquan before the season started about how he plays the chip? It feels like everyone on this defense is playing with a chip, man. Oh, a hundred percent. Everyone's in a hundred percent attack mode. Um, but no, I just, I think like we do have a, I don't think that the, yeah, Robert Woods is the only one. And I think he's the only one that was able to actually expose us a little bit last year. Um, I don't, I'm not scared of the receivers at all. Um, their offensive line isn't even as good. It's aging. Um, so I feel like the defense a lot of should penalties too. There are a lot, of, a lot of penalties up there too. Yeah. And looking at their DVOA, they're actually in the bottom half of the league around like 18 to 20, um, in rushing defense, but they're, you know, they have a pretty good couple DBs, obviously Jalen Ramsey, as you said, he's able to lock down most receivers, even though Stefan Diggs got away from him. Um, I feel like that's kind of the, his kryptonite is those types of fast receivers that could just get your hands off him real quick and get separation take off. Um, stick but at the Mooney, end of the stick Mooney out there on him. Yeah, no jump balls to A-Rob this week, uh, Nick Foles. Let's get that memo out. No jump balls to A-Rob um, because he's going to be all over. And obviously he was chirping at him. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was chirping on, chirping at A-Rob last year, talking about how it was just like in practice. Um, you know, he's a chirper and stuff like that. So just I'm sure that they're going to try to go away from him. Um, but, you know, they don't have really good middle linebackers. Like we should be able to expose them out of the backfield with David Montgomery Maybe Cole Komet will get worked in a little bit more again for our guy beat on um, overall though. Like they're not, they're a tough team. Like they were in it right till the end, right? It, they, they find a way to get down and then they, they can get themselves back into situations like in prevent when there's way more open windows because, you know, they found a way to get back in the game with Buffalo and um, obviously Buffalo, Josh Allen went out there and, and beat them, but they're, they're not a bad team by any means. I think they're, probably going to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? There's going to be three teams that come out of the West that make the playoffs. And, uh, I don't know, but Arizona dude, Buda, I was just thinking about Buda Baker. How would that be with Buda Baker and Eddie Jackson? That would be so scary, dude. I'll do that. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Man, that shit would be disgusting. That dude was just eating Andy Dalton for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on, it was Monday night. And honestly, like, the West division, you could argue, is the best division in football right now. You could argue that. You could say the NFC West is the best division in football. Obviously, record-wise, they have it. But 
The one thing that I will say is arguably the best team in their in their division does not have a defense. Their defense is just Swiss cheese, the Seahawks. Yeah, 100%, but you got to think about playing the Rams. They're a desperate team every single week because they have to win to stay even relevant in that division because um, Seattle's just off to a terrific start. Arizona looks like they're going to be able to play. Um, and then, obviously, you know, you got the Rams over there um, playing playing pretty good football as well. Hey, all I will say, though, is, is like you said, seven teams get in this year, unless something absolutely catastrophic. And, and San Fran just beat them. Like, San Fran's yeah. just... No, and San oh. Fran's hanging, too, yeah. San yeah. Fran's not going to go out without a fight. Uh, I'm really glad, looking back on it, that the Bears did not get Jimmy Garoppolo, though, because that honestly might have hurt more than Mitch. Because that would have that cost a lot of money. That would have cost so much money, but go ahead. Bro, and listen, I know I don't want to I don't want to anger any of uh, any of the locals who may be listening because they were big Jimmy G guys at Eastern Illinois or whatever. But, man, I was just never on board with that. Uh, just dude, just lukewarm quarterback, man. That's he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Like he does a lot of things. Good, decent. Doesn't do anything like great. You know what I mean? With with a guy like Mitch, you have his mobility. With a guy like freaking Mahomes, you have his arm. With a guy like Watson, you have a mix of both. Yeah, I know. I just I just said I just did that. But, I mean, but with the guy but with a guy like Garoppolo, like what does he do? You know what I mean? Like he's just he's a guy that fits into an offense that's already probably working. You know what I mean? That's exactly what he did when he was in New England. Like he was handed the keys to an offense that um what the McDaniels was running, you know what I mean? Like he's been surrounded by great offensive minds that will would probably make quarterbacks look good anyway. And from any time that he's not been in the game, quarterbacks have looked good anyway. So I mean, yeah, dude, I think we've dodged a huge bolt with Jimmy G. I know we don't have the same sample size, but I think the same can be said for Jared Goff. I mean, like you said, in that Buffalo game, uh, you know, you look at it 28 to three at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the game, they go into the half, they're down 25. They completely readjust everything they're doing, how they attack that Buffalo defense. And I think the final was like 37, 34, and they lost on a controversial call that we've talked about on this podcast. That's neither here nor there. I think like, like we've said, for some reason, the scheduling has worked out that we've gotten the Rams three years in a row. I just feel that it's a lot of the same pieces that we've had in place on defense. It's a lot of the same people that he's had in place on offense. And I don't think there's going to be too much that's going to change or that can change my mind to think that from what I've seen with at least somewhat of a competent offense that we're going to go out there. Is it is it in Chicago or is it in L.A. this year? I think it's in L.A., right? Mm. Yeah, it's in L.A., I'm pretty sure. Yeah, for, yeah so, like, scheduling has been weird, weird. Like, it's in L.A. back-to-back years. Yeah, that's but weird. They're going to go out to L.A. on Monday Night Football, and for the fucking seventh week in a row, because for some reason no one can take us serious, we're going to prove to America that we are for real and we are the team to mess with in the NFC North. Meat on the table, dong on the table, all of it. I swear, I'm tired every week. National media, local media, Twitter guys, everyone. No one respects this team. Let them do it to the Rams on Monday Night Football in convincing fashion. I promise you that narrative will change like that. Bears got to go in. They have to um, prove 
that you know that they're a contender even though they're five and one um you know obviously the narratives are there we are not blind to some of the problems we highlighted you know how they got to take care of some business with the offensive line um you know go out and make a push man go try to trade for somebody if it really comes down to it the deadline's coming up um but at the end of the day man that's all we got for you we're gonna have our injury report episode go a lot more in depth to the x's and o's um on friday i'm lucas perfetti you can follow me at lucas perfetti 46 i'm also joined uh long side by that pod guy duke duke coughlin um brandon suarez at beat on 300 we're bears on tap you can go ahead and follow us at bears on tap or follow on tap sportsnet for all of your chicago sports needs um we appreciate you all and bear down bear down bear down